Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, this is Charlie from Anthrax. And of course, you are listening to Talking Metal. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal podcast, home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now, let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. We are talking today about the Rock and Derby. It is taking place up in New York State, right outside of Albany. We're going to have all the information posted in today's show notes. It's three days, three stages, uh, over 40 bands, Five Finger Death Punch, Lamb of God, Clutch, Parkway Drive, Wolf Mother, Pop Evil, Scott Stapp, Crozen of Conformity, Runs Red Sun Rising, Anthrax, Chevy Metal, A Day to Remember, Hellstorm, Hollywood Undead, Extreme, Dokken, Sebastian Bach, Ghost, who I just saw last night in, uh, in Montclair, New Jersey, always awesome, Megadeth, 6AM, 7 Dust, Trivium, so much stuff going on here. And we're going to be talking to Charlie Benate about the Rock and Derby Festival today. And also John D., who's one of the uh, producers and coordinators of the, the whole event. So there you go. I will be there for at least two, maybe three of the, of the days. Uh, can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be a blast. I know Mitch LaFon's coming down from Montreal for it, too. And very centrally located uh, there in the Albany area. Great for people in Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, uh, even even Pennsylvania, you know, not not a terrible drive. So let's let's all meet up there. Let's hang out. Let's have a blast at the Rock and Derby Festival happening Friday, May 20th through Sunday, May 22nd. Check it out. Go to the show notes and visit rockandderby.com. Uh, we'll have that link through today's show notes. Uh, they're also on Twitter as Rock Derby Fest. Cool. So, on that note, let's uh, let's get into talking with John D. Here he is. Hey, this is Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, and on the line we are talking with John D., who is the producer of the Rock and Derby Festival. John, welcome to the show. 
Nice to be here. Yeah, and listen, I'm heading up to the the festival. I am completely psyched. You guys just announced, well, I guess it was a couple weeks ago at this point, uh, a few additional acts, including Corrosion of Conformity, who I love, Sebastian Bach, who's always great. Do we now have the the full lineup, or are there uh, still other bands to be announced? There's a few uh, packaged bands that we'll be adding in the next two or three weeks. Um, for the final push, but uh, they're just bands that are on tour with other acts that we that they're just you know supplying their tours. So we're going to be adding their support acts on. Cool. Well, I want to talk to you all about the the rock that's going on at the Rock and Derby. But first, let's let's talk about the Derby element. What what can we actually expect? Like what is, what is the Derby? Um, it's a, it's a true old fashioned. You know, smash them up, demolition derby. It's uh, the site that we're using for the festival has a built-in demolition derby course. Wow! It's the biggest attraction up in that area, and uh, you know, truth to how we came up with it was basically, you know, in Jersey we did a show last year called the Rock Carnival. It incorporates amusement rides, carnival, and rock. And when we went up there. And we said, well, we'll bring our carnival. They're like, great, we have one. And I said, well, we'll bring our food trucks. And they're like, what? They didn't know what food trucks really, they weren't familiar with, you know, the the fad that's food trucks here in New Jersey, but said to me, a demolition derby would be huge. And I grew up, you know, I'm 40. So when I grew up, there was a thing called Worldwide, uh, ABC's Worldwide of Sports. Sure, I remember. And every Saturday, every Saturday, we would sit in front of our TV and a demolition derby was always the thing that was the coolest. And especially if the celebrities were in it. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, you know, and it's almost like a lost art, you know, back in the day we grew up, it was a, a demolition derby was, was huge. Yeah. And it still is, but it's like, it's almost like boutique. And if you think about it, rock and rollers love NASCAR. Right. And uh, I said, you know, if it has a built-in demolition derby course and there's a guy willing to produce the demolition derby for me, I'm doing it. And it took a convincing to the partners and to the insurance company, but we're pretty good. Cool, cool. I've never been to a demolition derby, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that part of it. And does the derby take place every day or is that just on, on one day or certain days? It's uh, fr- Saturday from like five, and don't hold me the time, but it's like five thirty to eight thirty, and then Sunday goes a little. I think it's five to eight. It's three hours each day, uh, smack in the middle of the day. Uh, everybody with a with a festival pass gets obviously into the bleachers to watch the derby, and everybody that wants to see the derby can just buy a derby ticket to see the derby so the local community could still come and enjoy it and that's why we wanted to build it that way is that you know a father and a son could share an experience at an event because the kids attention span is normally one hour right at at an event and if i can expand that to three or four you know i have the pro wrestling in there i have the derby i have more than just the average concert for a family and we put in the affordable family pricing. Excellent. And and the site is Rock in Derby. We'll have that linked through today's show notes, rockandderby.com. Tell us about the 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 actual, you know, location. I mean, you've mentioned that that it has this this derby uh area at, at the uh at the place, but where is it located? It's outside of Albany, right? Yeah, it's about fifteen minutes outside of Albany, smack you know, in right on the border of Connecticut, Massachusetts, uh, you know, it's an armlet or it's, it's, a, it's three hours basically as we call it from everywhere. Cool. So it's centrally located. It's got onsite camping. It's got actual showers. It's got barns. It's got a lot of amenities that a festival, you know, normally has to outsource. They're all built in. Excellent. You know, RVs can plug right into sewer, water, and electric, which is, you know, pretty much rare unless you're at a campground. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. And there's just a ton of bands. I mean, we're looking at like, what, 45 different acts playing this, I think, uh, or more possibly. What what goes in? I mean, this just sounds like an, an incredible amount of work to put this together. What What goes into, you know, getting all these bands to this location, you know, in this three-day period? Uh, how, how hard is it to actually coordinate all this? Uh, you know, it's... It, we do, one of our partners owns the uh, upstate concert hall up in Albany. And obviously that's where we're basing a lot of our operations out of is, is the club and all of its resources and relationships up there. So, you know, it's really, to the, it takes a lot of the pressure off of us as the producer, when you have a support staff from that area, a lot of the resources are there, but the, the coolest part about this one was, uh, the Derby and the attraction that it's had to the band. And I didn't think it would, I never imagined that the bands would care or, you know, even call and, you know, lend their support or want to be included. Some of the smaller bands want to enter, enter their van in the Derby. Wow. Cause if they win, they think it's been through enough wars. You know, it's just fun stuff that we're, we're dealing with, um, with this one, but also we have rock on the range. And it's a 10-hour drive for the band. Right. And Rock on the Range, we didn't even think about it, but the Rock on the Range's radius basically pushes them right to us. Okay. Because they can't play. So the bands are, are you know, doing Ohio, and we were waiting for Rock on the Range to give them their days before we were solidifying it. And uh, we were, you know, booking into this, into the storm. It was, you know, and then everybody was just, you know, after one came, they would, then the next act on that tour would call and say, can I get an offer? And then sure enough, it swelled into a, a long, you know, 30, 30 band caravan. Awesome. Awesome. And there's so and many, we got, some, yeah. we got, we got some acts unique to the market too, that do pretty well up there, like 6am and, uh, Sebastian Bach and right. you know, especially state champs. I mean, that's their hometown. Okay, cool. Uh, I mean, you mentioned a few bands there. You also have five finger death punch, lamb of God clutch, which I, uh, is always great live anthrax, uh, extreme shine down coheed and Cambria Megadeth, 6am ghost who I just saw last night, collective soul docking. I mean, this is a wide variety of, of hard rock and metal bands. What bands are you personally really excited to see? Uh, you know, you forgot one of the ones that I, I was like, Oh, I hope you say it, but you didn't say the Chevy metal. Okay. That's one, you know, I think that one's going to have a lot of hype around it. I think that's going to be one of the more entertaining thoughts of the, uh, weekend. Cool. Cool. And, and I started, uh, my first job was basically uh, my second job was, I worked with the Foo Fighters, so to see Taylor and everybody will be great. Excellent, excellent, cool. And how did you break into this this business, the 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 festival and concert business? I started off in artist management uh, with the company that manages the the Foo Fighters, and uh, had to leave management to go home and tend to some family matter. And the only way to stay connected was to promote concerts and just knowing a lot of bands and having a lot of friends and not having a lot of money, we were able to, uh, grow together. So, you know, I started off with bands. I started off with, you know, the Jonas brothers, one of my first signings. And, uh, you know, then I went on to bamboozle festival, which basically introduced me to a whole new world of, relationships and from there i just i i love artist development and i don't think there's a greater platform for that than festivals because it tests it shows the value it gives the band the valuation because numbers don't lie at a festival i'm able to look at the end of the weekend from the size of the crowd to the amount of merch that they sell to the way they conducted themselves is this a band i want to be in business with Right on. 
cool. We are looking forward to it. We will be there. Talking Metal will be there uh, doing some on-site interviews at the festival and in just enjoying the three days of rock and metal and derby and food trucks and fun camping, pro all wrestling. Of it, all of it. Yeah, cool. And yeah, it's all going down. And guys, we'll have the site link through today's show notes. You can pick up your tickets and packages there. And uh, yeah, John, I look forward to seeing you up at the show. All right. I can't wait to see you guys. Thank you so much for the support. That was John D., the festival promoter for Rock and Derby. This is like the, you know, it's it's been a whirlwind of shows for me. I, I was out in Las Vegas for the... the uh, the Guns N' Roses thing caught Zach and Engve out there too. Then uh, last night I was at Ghost in New Jersey. We'll of course see Ghost again at the Rock and Derby Festival on the Sunday day, May twenty second, up there in the Albany area. So uh, yeah, it's just been a whirlwind, and in, in the, uh, the really looking forward to hitting this festival in just one month uh, from now. So. Great stuff. Guns N' Roses, yeah, had had such a blast. We were out at the first show in Las Vegas, you know, flew in. My kids get me up at 7 a.m. every morning, East Coast time. So we flew in. Uh, Guns N' Roses took the stage around midnight that, that first Friday, the day we were at the show, which was 3 a.m. my time. So we were definitely kind of tired. There was, there was uh, you know, by the time it ended, it was, you know, 6 in the morning, East Coast time, 3 a.m. Uh, Vegas time. Some cool stuff that we got to got to do while we were there. We had purchased the VIP ticket package, uh, which included a VIP party beforehand. Now the band wasn't at the party; it was just the other VIP people. It was open bar and food, and it was a lot of fun. Um, my wife and I were there, and, and it was in you know the opening. This was opening night at the T-Mobile Arena, and the the VIP party was up in one of the you know balcony lounges that overlooks the arena. So we get in there at like, I think seven o'clock or so for this VIP party and freaking Guns N' Roses are still on stage sound checking, which was just incredible. They did Welcome to the Jungle while we were sitting there, November rain, full voice, Axel in a wheelchair. We had found out he had broken his foot just hours before the show. Actually, I had been tipped off the night before by Mitch LaFon, but you know, um, was officially announced uh, earlier that day that he had broken his foot and it didn't really, I was worried. I thought it would take away from the show. It didn't in some ways it even made the show more special and the sound check was, was insane. I want to tell you that at the sound check to me, this is big news. Most people probably won't care, but they did. Uh, there was a time, which is a Chinese democracy song, which isn't a big shock because they did three Chinese democracy songs on, uh, Friday night in Vegas, and also of the following night on Saturday. It was different set lists each night, by the way. However, on those two nights, they never did There Was a Time. I will tell you, they absolutely did that in soundcheck uh, that first night. So it's kind of cool. Um, and I would guess we can expect to hear that in the set at some point. I don't know if they'll pull it out this weekend for Coachella or later for the Mexico shows. But yeah, Slash definitely knows how to play There Was a Time. Um, and just on the Guns N' Roses tipped, you know, I had seen Slash at, at Starland Ballroom in New Jersey less than a year ago. And I got to tell you, no disrespect, but it, it, at the Starland Ballroom show with Miles Kennedy and the guys, the conspirators, it, Slash just seemed like he didn't really want to be there. And his guitar, I mean, the place went nuts and, and all the people loved it that were there, except for me and my wife, because his guitar just didn't really sound that good. It, it sounded like he, he didn't have his distortion pedal hooked up right. And honestly, it, it didn't, there was, it, it there was not much passion in it. It didn't really sound that good. Um, at the Starland ballroom show less than a year ago for, for slash, uh, I, I talk, spoke with some friends who had seen him in New York, like the day before, two days before. And they said that must have, he was great in New York, so it must have just been an off night in New Jersey, which I get because I've I've seen Slash through the years, you know, and not only with guns, but with many times with Velvet Revolver and Slash's Snake Pit. So uh, I guess that was just an off night for him in New Jersey. So, but but having that in my mind, I was a little concerned with how he would be sounding at um, in Vegas, and I got to tell you. He delivered the goods 100%. I mean, he was so on. You could tell that these guys had rehearsed for three months uh, beforehand. And he, he 
the one thing that really stood out is without the three guitars on stage, A, it sounds better. Guns N' Roses sound better with just two guitars. Um, and I, even Maiden, I think Maiden sounds better with two guitars. I think when you have three guitars on stage, especially in hard rock or, or metal, it, it just gets too mucky. It's, it's, there's too much stuff going on in that same frequency. You know, maybe it works for the Almond Brothers. I don't know, but I, I don't even know, you know, like does Skinner really need three guitars? I don't know. But, um, I, I really think two guitars is a lot cleaner of a sound. And especially for guns, everything, there was so much more clarity on stage. And and with that clarity came Slash's playing, which, again, he was in perfect form, the perfect tone. And what the Vegas show did for me personally was remind me how important... I don't care who wrote the fucking songs, really. That's a whole nother discussion. Slash's tone and feel was critical to the band's success in the early days. And he delivered that on stage. And as much as I love Bumblefoot and, and Fink and Buckethead and all the, all the people who've been in and out of the band in the past 15 years, hearing Slash play Guns N' Roses songs made it feel like this is the real Guns N' Roses. I mean, it, it really did. And... And, and I was a little nervous because, again, the last time I saw Slash, I didn't think he was very good. But he was 100% on and, and just on fire. Such a good player. You know, so, so amazing. I have so much respect for that guy as a guitar player. And, you know, he's not the fastest shredder in the world. He's, he's, but he has, he has better feel than most. Um, and, and that feel is, is such and tone and and choice of notes is such an important part of Guns N' Roses. And welcome back to the Guns N' Roses fold slash. uh, It's much better with you there. If you have a chance to see Guns N' Roses in concert, they're doing a stadium tour this, this summer. I picked up my, my uh, tickets for MetLife, AKA giant stadium in New Jersey. It's sold out already. So I don't know, you know how it'll sell throughout the country, but I can tell you in New Jersey, it sold out pretty quick. Uh, and that's a stadium, guys. No one does stadiums. ACDC, that's like the only hard rock band that can do stadiums. Van Halen couldn't do stadiums, you know, at least not in recent time. McCartney, I saw once play Giant Stadium. Saw Ozfest there once. It was like half filled. Um, what, who else did I see? I, I saw somebody else I'm trying to remember who that was. There was some other big hard rock band I saw at Giant Stadium and Jerry Cantrell opened and whoever it was, it's slipping my mind at the moment. But um, yeah, great stuff. And uh, welcome back, Slash. Welcome back, Guns N' Roses. And very, very fun to see Slash play the Chinese Democracy songs for, for somebody who really likes that record, being me. So there you go. I'm a, I'm a GNR fanboy, you guys know that. So you know, take it for what it's worth. It wouldn't have been as good if Steven Adler and Izzy Stradlin were on the stage because Frank Ferrer and Fortis were on fire. I mean, Fortis is a freaking phenomenal guitar player. Izzy, he's, he's a songwriter, you know, Izzy's a songwriter. And even back in the day when, when he played guitar on a regular basis, he wasn't the world's strongest guitar player. I, I, I know I saw him do some guest appearances with, you know, the Chinese democracy era, Guns and Roses, and it felt like they didn't even have him, have him turned on his guitar. So I, I I can't imagine that the the band would have sounded nearly as good with Izzy and Steven or even Sorm. I, I mean, I think Sorm could pull it off. Sorm's good, you know. But um, that's that. And uh, GNR is back. You know, I, I do think Axel wanted to keep Fortis and and uh frank around because to to axel i don't think this is a reunion tour this is the continuation of guns and roses which in his mind and i mean in reality too it's never really stopped you know there's been some hiatuses here and there but he's always taken the band out put out the one great record chinese democracy uh you know and he's done numerous tours and and festivals and, and stuff in the past whatever it's been 20 some years since Slash was in the band. And I think to him, this is just Slash and Duff rejoining his band. And I think having two of the people who 
were, you know, Frank was there for 10, been there for 10 years, and Fortis was there probably more than that, 14 years or so, um, still makes him feel like this is a continuation of what he's been been doing. I don't know what happened with Chris Pittman, you know, and why they brought in some some girl, uh, Melissa, somebody, I forgot her name, to, to uh, do keys. I, I'm not sure what the deal was with Chris and why they couldn't use him. But Melissa was fine, you know, kind of in the back, didn't notice her too much. But, um, yeah, I don't know, kind of curious about the Pittman thing, too. Um, yeah, but it was it was great. And Guns N' Roses is better with two guitars, especially when it's Fortis as that second guitar. Great player. Let's get into a little Anthrax right now, and then we're going to hear from Charlie Benante from Anthrax. Great drummer, great guy. Uh, here we go. This is For All Kings, a little sound sample of new Anthrax. Go buy this on iTunes, support Anthrax, and check them out at the Rock in Derby Festival. They play on Saturday night uh, at the festival. And again, this is right outside of Albany, Saturday, May 21st. Check Anthrax out. It might even be the afternoon. I'm not sure when they play. But Saturday will be a great day. Hellstorm, a day to remember. Anthrax, Chevy Metal, Extreme, uh, who else? Uh, Avatar, All That Remains. It's going to be a great night. And the next night I'll be there too. Shine Down, Coheed and Cambria, Megadeth, 6 a.m., Ghost, Collective Soul. Yeah, I saw Ghost last night. Great show. Always love them. Papa rules. Anyways, here's a For All Kings by Anthrax, followed by my interview. This is Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, and we're honored because on the line today we have Charlie from Anthrax checking in with us. Charlie, how are you? 
Hey, man, I'm doing good. Yourself? I'm great, and I'm totally psyched to see you guys. I'm heading up for the whole weekend for this great rock metal festival that's happening. It's the Rock and Derby Festival. It is going to be happening up in uh, right outside of Albany, May 20th through May 22nd. You guys are playing Saturday night, and I am totally psyched to uh, to see you guys at the festival. When you guys play festivals like this, do you get a chance to check out a lot of the other bands, or is it kind of just in and out for you guys? Um, Actually, for the most part, um, I hear a lot of the bands. I don't get to see a lot of the bands, but... If there's a specific band that I want to see, I'll make it my, uh, you know, my business to go and watch it. I'll say, hey, don't schedule any interviews or anything during this time. I really want to see them, you know. Right on. Right on. Cool. There's a lot of great bands playing with you guys. And uh, again, totally psyched to see you at the Rock and Derby Festival next month in uh, right outside of Albany, New York. So, hey, Charlie, I wanted to ask you, one thing I always read about you, you know, I read Scott's book, I read it on the internet, is that you are the guy who is responsible for a lot of the, the music. I'm not talking lyrics or, or, or even necessarily vocal melodies for that matter, but the, the music when it comes to, to Anthrax's uh, songs. How, and you're a drummer, so I guess my, my question is, uh, what do you write on? Do you write on guitar? I have mostly it'll come out from a guitar um, and uh, you know, there'll be times when I'll be driving around or something and uh, an idea comes to my head and I'll just kind of sing it into my phone. And then later on I'll, I'll kind of, you know, play it on guitar and sometimes it sounds killer. And sometimes I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Right. It's terrible. Um, but, um, but that's basically how it, how it happens. I would say 95% of it comes from me just playing guitar. Cool. And how, how often do you play guitar? Like, as opposed to drums, do you, do you spend? I I play every day, every day. Wow. Cool. Cool. So do you, do you, nowadays do you spend more time on guitar than drums or is it about uh, equal? Yes. yes really? Yes. Wow. Very, very interesting. Would you ever consider playing guitar in a, like a side band or anything? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my only thing about playing guitar is I don't, I don't really enjoy it that much playing in front of people for some reason. I just don't, um, I don't know. I just don't feel right on stage with just a guitar right. um, or drunk, but it's like usually, um, usually for me, I feel more comfortable surrounded by drums. Um, but in, uh, in, in the studio, I'm, I'm all over it. You know what I mean? Right on. Right on. And do you have certain guitars that you like to play? Are there certain like brands like Gibson's or Ibanez or anything? No, I play, I'll, I'll play anything. To me, uh, every guitar has a song in it or certain guitars that I've, that I have, I have a few songs in it. Um, there's like three guitars that I have that are my go-to guitars when I'm, um, kind of writing songs. There's just, uh, a thing that happens between me and these guitars that uh, I kind of zone out. I go somewhere else, and then uh, I have a bunch of material. It's very strange. I don't even question it. I just let it happen. Right on. Cool. So For All Kings, uh, a big success, a great record. It debuted at number nine on the Billboard charts. I I just love this record. And, you know, I I do listen to a lot of stuff on Spotify nowadays, and and this wasn't up on Spotify, but the tracks I had heard were so good that it it caused me to go over to uh, iTunes and and download it. And I I, I guess, first off, is there... there, uh, a big decision was there a big decision with the band to keep the album off of Spotify um the decision was to keep it off of uh most of the streaming sites at first and then they would appear a month or so after the you know okay the actual album came out because we really wanted everyone to have that experience of going and getting the hard copy, the cover, the the packaging. We really want 
them to have that experience other than just downloading and then you just have a little you know picture of the album that you could barely make out you know what i mean yeah um i i don't want our fans to 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 have this experience i want them to have that old school type of experience of opening the record and just you know absorbing the whole thing so it was a decision not to put it up on these sites Gotcha. And do you think, I mean, it debuted at number nine, which is just awesome on the, on the billboard charts. Do you think keeping it off of Spotify helped you guys land in the top 10 on the billboard album charts? I I mean, I can't say yes or no, because you know, now it's on Spotify and I, I watch it very closely on Spotify and I see what's happening on Spotify. And, um, I can no longer deny that, uh, uh, people are streaming music more so now than, than than ever, and I see a complete rise in in, in our streams. So it's uh, it's something that I really have to pay attention to now. Right on, cool. Now, when it comes to the lyrics on this album, can can I assume that Scott mo- wrote most of the lyrics? Scott wrote most of the lyrics. Yes. Um, and, you know, we have a, a very good chemistry, um, the way we work. Um, I mean, since spreading the disease, basically, you know, when Scott took over most of the lyrics and I took over most of the music, um, we are, even though we don't have to talk, we're still on the same frequency. Um, and, uh, I, to me, I think the lyrics on this record are the, the best lyrics he's written since maybe maybe Persistence. Yeah, some great lyrics. I, I definitely agree with you on that. And and when he brings these lyrics in for you know songs like like Monster at the End or, or Breathing Lightning, Evil Twin, does he does he explain to you guys in the band like, hey, this is this is what this is actually about? Because as the listener, a lot of times I'm not sure. I mean, I form my own opinions, and it might not actually be what he was going for with the lyrics but does he actually explain to you what he's thinking about with the lyrics and what he's trying to say or does he leave it up to you guys to interpret Some, well i would say sometimes he would give a you know a basic outline of what this where this came from or what this is about um sometimes he doesn't sometimes i'll just kind of read it and just be like i i see where you're going or, or, or what this is about. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a metaphor. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I think the, the listener can come up with his own or her own, um, idea of what this song is about and really how it hits them. Like how, how do I approach this song lyrically and what do I get out of it? I mean, to this day, I still have no idea what Stairway to Heaven is about. Right, right. Um, you know, so, um, which to me is kind of cool. And it's also very, you know, what the fuck, you know, just, just give it to me. What is it about, you know? Right, right. Definitely. Um, I wanted to talk about some of the specific songs. Uh, let, let's start with a, a just a great, great song, Blood Eagle Wings. There is a, a music video out to this, which is, is quite gory and, and good. You guys aren't in the music video at all. The um, But th- let's talk a little bit about who directed the video. And, and these guys actually have a little cameo in the video, too. Could you tell us who they are? Oh, uh, yeah. Brian Posehn is in it. Um, and... Uh, Brian was in one of our other videos called What Doesn't Die, and Brian's been a fan and a friend of the band for many years now. And uh, Jack Bennett, who, who actually directed the video, um, uh, the thing I love about Jack is like he's kind of a horror guy like I am and stuff, and uh, when he sent the treatment, um, my first reaction was, this is going to be great if the budget you know <laughs> right is there for it you know what i mean but he pretty much said look I, I we don't need you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to pull this off you know and um he was right you know 
so I was there when they were doing the video, and I was like, Oof, how are they going to do this? But for me, when I knew Greg Nicotero's team was going to be there doing the effects, I was like, oh, this is going to be great because I have such faith in in in, in that, you know. So um, I wasn't too sure how gory it was going to be with the final edit. Um, and, yeah, I was like, wow, this is pretty uh, – pretty epic you know yeah and the song itself is just very epic um and actually that was my working title for the song it was always called epic because to me my original demo for the song was like almost eight minutes or or eight minutes so um it just had this feel this epic feel to it and uh it was one of those songs that i knew had to be on the record yeah. And I mean, the word epic, I think, would also describe a song like Breathing Lightning, which is just this big, you know, for lack of a better word, epic hook in the middle of it. it, it you know, it, it, it almost to me just seems like it should be blaring out of every every radio, uh, you know, car stereo in the country. But, you know, in today's times, it seems like there isn't like a real big outlet for such a great song like breathing lightning uh, anymore and and you know i guess i'm just wondering what do you consider the most important outlets for exposing your music to uh, to new ears i mean in the back in the day there would be you know anthrax was never a band that was totally on fm radio back in the day but there would be metal shows late at night sometimes it would feature anthrax and of course we had headbangers ball on mtv what nowadays uh is the most important outlet for you guys i mean we talked about streaming and what they do um how they promote the bands as well um to me, it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult thing what you have to do in order to get your record seen or heard. Um, I mean, let's face it, you know, I see these, re, these little snippets, these little sound bites from other musicians saying about how rock is dead and this and that and the other thing. And um, I don't agree with that in a sense that um, the people aren't out there. I just think it's not very popular in the sense that um, the media uh, doesn't, you know, really doesn't do stories about it anymore the way it once was. I mean, you know, hard rock metal was was very, very uh, um, back in the 80s, 90s, couldn't get away from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just think nowadays kids um, are exposed more to pop music more so than ever. And I think it's really marketed towards kids where in the past, hard rock metal wasn't really marketed towards kids the way music is nowadays. So more kids have phones, more kids have things like Spotify, more kids listen to music. Um so I, I think that the whole metal hard rock thing has really gone to a place where the listener is a fucking metalhead and not just, you know, some chick who, you know, who dabbles in metal but really likes right. Madonna. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's different nowadays. Um, the, the casual so, metal listener is not, is not really around anymore, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, I just think it's it's a different time. It's just a different time, and you really have to uh, market your band and your music in a certain way. Plus, there's so many fucking bands out there. Every every week, there's another record coming out. There's a new band coming out. There's someone else kind of vying for your position. It's, right. it's, it's tough out there. I mean, we've lasted this long and the longevity of a band nowadays is probably maybe five to 10 years. Right. Right. Totally. Um, so, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's a weird time, but it's also a great time. I mean, here we are, we put a record out, you know, Megadeth put a record out, you know, Metallica will put a record out. Um, and you know, I would say that the records are good. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Some definitely, definitely some great hard rock and metal out there at this point. And I mean, you know, you see too, like uh, Sabbath out there touring, filling arenas every night, you know, Guns N' Roses is getting ready to do a stadium tour. So it, it, it does seem that in some ways it's still very alive and, and, and well. It is, but I think, um, those are more, those are a little different than, you know, the bands every year doing, doing it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I think the Guns N' Roses thing is a, is a, maybe a once in a lifetime, maybe it'll continue, but it just seems like it's, it's just for this type of thing, you know? Right. Right. No, I hear you. Okay. On another note, it's uh, it's been noted that uh, and reported that you, that you suffer from carpal tunnel syndrome, and I was wondering if you could just explain to the listeners who might not know what that actually is, uh, what it is, and how it's affecting you, and let us know how you're how you're doing with it now. Wow. <laughs> Basically, a lot of athletes and or musicians or a lot of uh, artists develop something which is called carpal tunnel. And basically what happens is in your wrist is like on the, is a thing that's kind of like a tunnel and all the nerves and everything go pass through there. And that starts to close. So your sensation changes, your... You get numbness, you get pain. And some people, it affects them all the way from their elbow all the way to the hand. Um, I had surgery for it, and this is, the surgery was a success. Sometimes scar, sometimes scar tissue will um, form. And for me, I have uh, what I now have to deal with was I, pl- I could play, I play great. I mean, I play like myself. And then after a few weeks of touring, I need to, I need a rest. Okay. My hand is just kind of, it goes numb and it, I just, I just can't do it. Um, so I'll take a break. If the band has a, a lengthy tour, I, I take a break, rest my hand and, um, and then I come back. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, kind of to circle around, I know we're running out of time here, but uh, to, to the, the album again, For All Kings um, is the title and, and also the title track off the record. I was reading about it and it sounds like we're not really talking about like a king like Henry VIII here. Uh, we're, no. we're talking about different types of kings. And can you tell me what types of kings you guys are talking about and who who might be some kings for you personally? Well, a king could be anything from your dad, your grandfather, your your teacher, um, your favorite sports player, you know, um, someone who is there, someone who inspires you to go on to bigger things, to better things who you can then inspire. And I mean, to me, I always looked up to these certain key figures in in music when I was growing up, especially the Beatles, especially Kiss. Kiss were like, you know, they were fucking kings. You know what I mean? And just right. looking at them um, totally helped me to achieve my goals and what I wanted to do. Um, so in a sense, these kings that I'm talking about, like I said, could be your dad, could be a teacher, could be your your kiss, you know what I mean? Right on. That's basically what it was. Gotcha. Cool. I know that you list Star Wars as being one of your, your favorite movies. We had The Force Awakens came out back in December. They they just last week released the uh, the DVD Blu-ray version with bonus scenes. I uh, wanted to get your opinion on The, the Force Awakens as, as a movie, as a continuation of the, the Star Wars storyline. Were you a fan of it? Oh uh, yes, yeah, big time. Um, you know, uh, <clears throat> been waiting for this movie for a long, long time, and uh, as soon as I heard that, you know, J.J. Abrams was behind it and some other key things involved, 
I, I just knew that it was going to be something that I was going to appreciate. So, you know, we went the night before it came out, all of us, and just fucking went, you know, crazy because the best thing for me is watching this movie was watching it with my with my daughter who who is ten. Wow. Cool. And um not only was I watching it through my eyes, I was watching it through her eyes, which is something that I think if you grew up loving Star Wars and now you're of course an adult, it can't have that same effect that it had on you when you were younger because you're an adult now and so much time has passed and you know, you, you get kind of jaded with, with different things. But watching it through her eyes was a better experience than <clears throat> just watching it for myself because she was getting it all. You know what I mean? It was yeah. having that effect that it had on me when I was little. So um, we walked out of there going, fuck, that was great. Well, she didn't say fuck, that was great. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but it, was, uh, it was an experience again. It was a movie experience that I think we're all lacking in those times when you go to the movies to, to, to be taken away somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Um, so I loved it. I thought it was, I thought they did a great job. There was a few moments in there that the adult me came out and I was like, ah, I don't know about that part, but, right, right. um, but for the most part, I'd say most of it was great. Awesome. Cool. And before I let you go, I do want to mention that you have your own coffee out, uh, now. Can, could, could you take just a, a minute to tell us a little bit about the coffee and also let us know where we can get some? Yeah. I mean, my coffee now has been out for a while, and um, it's something that is a, a labor of love because people know I live, breathe, and, and drink coffee fucking daily. Um, so it's not something that I just slap my name on. It's something that I've developed and um, picked the beans, uh, said how I wanted it roasted, and packaged it the way I wanted to so that whoever gets it gets the experience that I wanted them to get. And like I said, I see other people have their name on coffee and everything like that, but um, I don't know if they're as dedicated to it as, as I am. So when you say you pick I, the beans, like wh- where do you go to pick pick beans out? Okay, so there's a roaster that 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 uh, that I found, and I told them from what region of the world that wow. I, I this is my favorite type of coffee i would love to do a blend of this a blend of that and let's see what it let's see what it tastes like right on and that's and that's how we did it cool cool and where's the best place people can uh can get the coffee you can go to the my website uh just charlesbenante.com and then it says coffee and you just click on it and you could just order it that way Excellent. Cool. And we'll have the Anthrax site and your, your personal site linked through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Again, Anthrax will be appearing Saturday, May 21st, I believe it is. Yeah, 21st at the Rock and Derby Festival just outside of Albany, New York. Can't wait to see you guys. It's going to be a great festival, a great weekend. And again, just loving the new record. It's, uh, it's on, on, on course to be one of my, uh, my top albums of the year. It is, is such a great record and just a diverse record. I really recommend for all Kings by anthrax. Thanks so much, Charlie. We really appreciate wow. taking some time to talk with us. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate it too. And, uh, Hello to all the listeners, and um, yeah, enjoy the record, and see you at the show.
just heard right there is Lone Justice by Anthrax, a song that they played at the uh, Food Truck and Rock Carnival in New Jersey, um, a festival that's put on by the same guys who are putting on this this show up in uh, Albany, outside of Albany, the Rock and Derby festival that we've been talking about today. So Lone Justice off the Spreading the Disease album, which was produced by Carl Kennedy, who was on a recent, I think the last episode of Talking Metal. So there you go. Lone Justice. Big thanks to Charlie for joining us on this edition of Talking Metal. A big thanks to John D. Hey, guys, uh, been out of work. You know, uh, got two kids, a uh, little freaked out. Uh, you know, I produce promos for the most part for a living, do TV stuff. Uh, job ended. Usually I pick up a job. I go from job to job. I'm having this kind of crisis going on, strange thing where I have no work. Um, hopefully something will line up. There's a whole long, boring backstory behind it, but hoping something can line up soon. The good news is it's allowed me to give you a lot of bonus episodes of Talking Metal. The bad news is, is I'm, I'm like in a financial crisis here, so I'm hoping something falls into place soon. Of course, we always love it when you can show a little support. I make about maybe 20 to $30 a week off this podcast. If I could make a little more, that would be awesome. PayPal donations are accepted on the site. And uh, you can also use the Amazon links, which are great. They link you right over to Amazon. You make your purchase. Whatever you were going to buy on Amazon, it's still the same price. There's no markup. All, all it is, in is is an additional step. You go to Talking Metal and you use our links to link you over to Amazon. Other ways you can support, uh, buy a t-shirt. And if you can't do any of that, if you can't show any financial support for what we do here, I understand um, times are tough. But what you can do is write a review of Talking Metal on iTunes. You know, we now have like three Talking Metal feeds going on. You know, we have our own private feed feed and then we have like a Spreaker feed. There's a few different versions of it. You know, no music feed. Write a review for any of the any of the talking metal feeds that are up there on iTunes. Any or all of them. That would be great. Of course we prefer the good reviews. <laughs> and uh, if you can't do that, promote us on your Twitter feed, hashtag talking metal or at talking metal. Or give us a like on Facebook, okay? You can friend my personal Facebook page too. It's Facebook.com, M. Striegel. That's M-S-T-R-I-G-L. Thanks, guys, and I appreciate you uh, being with us. And, wow, we're going on 11 years here. It's just always fun and always just a thrill for me to continue to talk to these guys. We got uh, you know these people I, I grew up with and were heroes of mine, and now I get to talk to them. It's, I never take it for granted. Got Paul Gilbert a guy I've never spoken with on the podcast before. He's on the next episode, so stay tuned for that. And uh, that'll be it. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon.